Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Company line from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. So glad to have you here with us on the program today. What a fun show we've got planned for you as Ryan LaVoy will be my co-host for the program. We're here with you for the next three hours talking about anything and everything in the wide world of sports. Coming up, we'll have our birthdays in sports. We will also be chatting with our pal Ben Ingram of the Braves Radio Network. Atlanta one game behind the New York Mets. They start a two-game set with the Oakland Athletics a little bit later tonight. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will be on the show a little bit later today, coming up at 4.30. And, of course, we will have our nightly TV guide at the very end of the show. All show long, we're going to be taking your phone calls. Auburn, 42-16, to the win over Mercer on Saturday to get the 2022 college football season started for the Tigers. We're discussing all of that and more coming up here today on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy. Ryan, so glad to have you here with me on the show today. How are you? How was your weekend? Uh, doing well. My weekend was great because college football was back and college football is great and uh, certainly have a lot to talk about. I know that the beginnings of that were yesterday and had some phone calls and some weighing in of week one of college football. Week one of college football, of course, officially concluded last night when Clemson and Georgia Tech met up in Atlanta in the second rendition of the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Uh, however, it was also a conference game. It kind of served as a Georgia Tech home game, and we talked about that game actually with uh, Bill Hancock and Gary Stoken, Gary Stoken of uh, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and uh, how he uh, has talked about kind of the movement of neutral site games and how uh, starting to look more into conference games. And a good way of doing that is having a team from that city host a conference game kind of as a home game. It was officially a Georgia Tech home game, not a neutral site game, although it was played in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and, and acted as a second Chick-fil-A kickoff game. So we talked to Gary Stoken about that in the uh, during SEC media days, and so it was kind of cool to see that actually come to fruition there. Um, but, yeah, doing well. Uh, I guess initial thoughts just from that Auburn and Mercer game. Is, yeah, we got to hear these. Uh, is it kind of was what it was in the very general sense? I mean, I don't think that everyone, anyone is absolutely raving about what happened because it wasn't a full throttling. It was a it was a beatdown, but it was not um, not as uh, big as we'd seen in previous years. Forty two sixteen being the final, but it also wasn't a scary game. There was, the result was never in doubt. It was never a time where Mercer was outmatching Auburn in any way. So uh, it kind of was what it was. Um, I think where I'm at is, you know, I think I understand the sentiment that T.J. Finley did some things well. Um, 
aside from the interceptions. However, the interceptions are very troubling. Uh, they were not balls that had to be like an unbelievable play had to be made on the football by the DB. Uh, he really just didn't look off the safety slash didn't make a good decision on what window he was throwing throwing it to. Uh, and so, with that being said, I you know, we'll we could we could try and give it more time and and, and try and observe it a little closer. But I think where I'm at is I'd like to see Robbie Ashford be the starting quarterback at Auburn. Um, I was very much undecided and non-committal in the preseason because look, I mean, we just don't know a lot. And to be fair, we don't know everything we need to know, and you can't know that for one game, no matter who the opponent is, but especially not against an FCS team, even if they're going to be a decent FCS team. But I think what you saw with Robbie Ashford is uh, the running is excellent. I don't know what the passing will be like. I cannot guarantee you the passing will be great. What Seven passes is not enough to know that. He threw a great deep ball, and that's awesome. And that's a good start. But I think the bigger issue here is more about I don't think T.J. Finley has improved, uh, or at least there's no signs of that yet. You, there's a lot of people talking about D.J. Uigalele from Clemson last night and how he may or may not have improved. And I think you're looking on a lesser scale at Auburn situation – and through one game, I haven't seen a lot to suggest T.J. Finley has improved. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be mad and to the hills if, if he continues to start and he ends up starting the Penn State game. But I think that it's very possible Robbie Ashford's a pretty even passer that with T.J. Finley. And then what would set them apart is the running game. So I think that's kind of where I'm at there. Um, you know, as far as the other elements of the football team, Thought they ran the ball well. Tank Bigsby looked very good. He looked lean. He looked fast. He looked dynamic in the open field. Uh, Jarquez Hunter was very productive on his eight carries. Uh, you know, you saw Javarius Johnson be, I think, by far the best receiver that Auburn had on Saturday, which was interesting because he opened on the depth chart technically as the number two wide receiver at his position. So, look, these are just initial prognostications. And Auburn is not – it is what it – you know, they're not what they are yet. They have a lot of room to develop. They have a lot of games to really figure it out. And, again, like I, I don't even know if it's a great starting point because it's just one game and it's just Mercer. And there's a lot of teams that – all right, that's just their initial kind of what they look like. But um, there's a lot – uh, things to determine and we really won't know Auburn's true starting point where they're really working from until that Penn State game and so uh, but for now you know look I didn't think there was a lot to con be concerning about other than again I don't think questions are being answered at the quarterback position yet to be fair if TJ Finley had gone out there was 15 of 18 for 200 yards couple touchdowns and didn't have the interceptions I still would say to you that looked good but Going to have to play a real good defense before I start to believe in that. So that's why the two interceptions were concerning to me because I at least wanted to be able to say, well, the numbers look good. Let's just see it projected out against better defenses. So that's kind of where I'm at, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it with all of our callers. But bottom line, excited that college football is back. Exciting to have stuff to analyze. No kidding. And uh, excited that Auburn is 1-0 in the season. Actual game results to be discussed. Auburn 1-0 on the 2022 college football season. Again, Ben Ingram of the Braves Radio Network will join us here in the opening hour, as will Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Ferguson will join us at 4.30 
on today's program. All of our sports call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, make sure that you give us a call to join the show at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line. As we want to take an opportunity to go to the phone lines for the first time during today's program and joining us here on Sports Call today, we've got... Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve here with us on Sports Call. Hi, Steve. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Good to hear all your voices. Mr. Ryan, welcome back. Uh, Who else is on uh, today? Just a two-man booth today, Steve. It's just me and Ryan. Wow, you guys got your work cut out for you there. All right, you know, sometimes I do like to get away from my moaning and whining and complaining and look at, gee, what about the other fan bases? What would it be like if you belonged to one of these fan bases? Uh, I would not want to be a fan right now of Iowa. Uh, you know, uh, there's a website called College and Magnolia. I don't know if you ever go there. Right. But this guy does a column every week doing football season called Boom Roasted. Well, Iowa was one of his teams that he roasted. Uh, you know, you may not know what I'm referring to. I didn't know until I saw it. But the score last uh, weekend it was, was awful. To three. Yeah. And there were no offensive scoring right. done by Iowa at all. In fact, he says, which made me laugh, the uh, the the, uh, the coach for Iowa, his name is, uh, what is it? Uh, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Apparently, he said, for multiple reasons, he avoided uh, offensive scoring as if one would avoid uh, getting the COVID virus. <laughs> yeah, I it was hilarious. Seven to three, and they were all safeties. Yep, unbelievable. So I said, "Yeah, uh, I'm glad we're not that fan base." It really could uh, be way worse. Exactly. At least we had some touchdowns to celebrate. And then he showed a video clip. I guess I must have cut it off too shortly after the LSU Notre Dame game. I mean, the LSU um, and uh, Florida uh, State, sorry, uh, the Florida State game uh, after they won. Uh, I didn't see it until they, she showed it on uh, on video clip that uh, one of the Florida State players after the game was over went towards the area, I guess, of the uh, LSU fans. And uh, I guess uh, he said it was the, uh, the student section. Uh, did you have to catch that clip? And he's mocking them with showing uh, Florida State players with two fingers up. And he gets response back from a bunch of LSU fans. They're giving him the finger. Did you have to catch that little video? I thought it was hilarious. Yes, did see that one, yep. You did see that. Okay, I don't know if they showed it on regular TV or if it was done afterwards. I said, wow. Just saw it on, yeah, I just saw it on social media after the game. I'm just glad we're not either of those fan bases either. That's so, right. Mr. Ryan LaVoy, I heard your comment, and there's some merit to what you said. Uh, however, I would rebut your comment, so with this, from Mr. Finley, not that I'm ecstatic about him or I'm, you know, uh, hating on him, but We've right now got a really, really small sample to make any kind of, I'd say, you know, educated uh, and thoughtful, you know, determination as to which of these quarterbacks will or will not uh, make it as our starter. Uh, I, I saw a lot of improvement. I, I did see a lot of improvement with Finley. Eight out of nine passes to begin with, and then the unfortunate, the two picks that should have never been thrown. But eight of nine, he stayed in the pocket for the most part. He didn't seem as rattled as he would have uh, been seen, I think, last year. He threw some good touch passes. Uh, I just thought that he 
did, uh, and there was no missnaps, there was no misalignments, no unnecessary timeouts uh, because of the clock was running down. We saw some other quarterbacks had to do in other games, and I thought that was quite an improvement. Uh, Mr. Ashford, on the other hand, brings a great deal of unpredictable, uh, you know, um, excitement uh, to, uh, to the scheming and the play strategy, so I get that as well. We don't have enough yet to see how, how good is his passing and what does he do uh, under a different – because he didn't play the entire game or as much of the game, obviously, in as many snaps as did uh, Mr. Findlay. Your comments on, on my observations, uh, Ryan? Yeah, no, um, again, like we, we don't agree. Um, I think with T.J. Finley, we already know – We've seen him now for two years, pit bits and pieces of two years. So he already has some under his belt. Belt. So we know that he has to improve. And so far, look, it is a small sample size. It's one game, but we're talking about like real improvement needs to be shown. And I'm sorry, you can't throw two interceptions in two and a half quarters against Mercer. You can't. Um, and that that's a big issue if you're playing. Uh, a, a better team because those were simple interceptions. Those were not, again, those were not one-handed snags, unbelievably tipped passes. Those are just bad, bad reads that any team in any country is going to intercept. And so when, I, when I'm when i already starting to see that T.J. Finley is not necessarily much better of a passer, I, you're right, I can't guarantee you Robbie Ashford's a good passer, and that's not what I'm saying he is. But if he's even close to the passer T.J. Finley is – then he should be the starter because he's going to have an infinitely better ability to run and, and be a part of a really good run offense. And so, again, I, I mean, we're going to have differing opinions, and that's fine. But, you know, through one week, yeah, it's small sample size. But we also, we've already seen what T.J. Finley has been in the past, and there needs to be real improvement. And I'm sorry, in week one, if you're throwing two interceptions, so far there's no improvement there. Well, uh, you have mentioned what you said. Let me, though, let's overlook at this. I want to be even-handed on this, Ryan, okay? So there was one, at least one, that could have been an interception that was thrown by Mr. Ashford that was dropped. Sure, but again, if they're even close to the same passer, then Robbie Ashford should be the starting quarterback because he can run, and he can run very well, and he can make other plays. And look, T.J. Finley wasn't rattled, and that's great, but it's also because there wasn't any pressure because it was Mercer. And again, if you're having a different... Uh, defensive line going against Auburn's offense line. That's something that Auburn offense, Auburn's offensive line will need to be tested. Can they withstand uh, a legitimate pass rush? And I think Penn State will provide that. They got a lot of pressure uh, on Purdue uh, in, in week one, at least making O'Connell get the ball out quicker than he wanted to. So, um, you know, again, like I know it's a bad opponent and I know it's one game, but there was just nothing there for me to latch on to the fact that Finley's improved. And if Again, if Ashford is is close to the same path, he doesn't have to even be a better passer. If he's just as close, then that running ability matters because T.J. Finley really cannot run, and Robbie Ashford's excellent at running. Matters so, big time. So, I, I'm again, I understand they're going to keep starting Finley, so we're going to keep seeing it. Um, but, again, you can't throw two interceptions like that, and I, I know that Robbie Ashford could have thrown one um, and, and, and that sort of thing, but – Again, you're 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 not in a good place if you're throwing two interceptions in two and a half quarters against an FCS team. Well, I mean that's, that's well noted. Uh, uh, what I hear you saying, and some other people said too on the War Report uh, podcast, is that they they believe it sounds like what you're saying too that uh, Ashford's uh, season is somewhat higher 
than it is for family, right? That's what it would – I mean, tip, that was also would be part of it because even if – TJ, even if we're missing – okay, not we because I, I would be me. Even if I'm misinterpreting this and TJ Finley really has improved a lot and I'm wrong, well, what, what does improving a lot mean from what he was? Does it mean he's now an average quarterback? Because he was a below-average quarterback last year. I think everyone could agree that he was below Bo Nix's standard, and a lot of people still had questions about what Bo Nix was. And so if he just becomes what Bo Nix was last year, is that good enough for everybody? What does that get you to as a football team? And so then you look at Robbie Ashford – and you say, all right, that floor might be pretty low because he might be a really bad passer, but that ceiling might be higher because what if he is as good of a passer as Finley or better because we still don't even know he could be better. And then you factor in that he could be one of the best running and mobile quarterbacks uh, in the league, and not only in the league, maybe in all of college football because of, of the speed we saw. I mean, we literally saw him outrun uh, Tank Bigsby down the field, make a block. Um, and so – I think the ceiling thing comes from just what Ashford can be as a runner and how that can impact an offense. Again, my last point I'll make on this is, you know, why I and I'm not calling him this because this is way too early. I'm this is just simply an example. But Nick Marshall was never a great passer. He was only an okay passer. He threw a great deep ball and really nothing else uh, of note. But he was an A plus runner in a system that was perfect for it. So if you have a system that is focused on running the football and can really utilize a quarterback that runs the football effectively, then you don't all of a sudden have to have an elite passer uh, and that quarterback position as long as he's already a great runner and then does not make a lot of negative plays as a passer. Then you can shape into a really good offense. Well, I'm going to go with uh, your observation also with the, the War Report people got said. I agree with them. I think this next game, to me, is one and done uh, for uh, – I mean, it's do or die. Uh, for Mr. Finley, sure. Uh, in terms of how he performs, and you're right, I, he does remind me of Nick Marshall. But will this quarterback, Ashford, will he fit really well uh, in Harson's kind of system? Because I, well, what I read, he is more of a, you know, uh, pro style, you know, quarterback, you know, who's you know staying in the pocket. Um, Am I wrong on that? Right. Yeah. And look, yeah, absolutely. That that's the concern, or that was the concern heading into the season. But I'm all, I'm already starting to feel a little bit better about it, just because they purposely brought in Robbie Ashford. Look, he got he got to play the rest of the game once Finley threw that second interception, and then he ran the whole offense. But even before that, he had come in on multiple different drives, multiple different occasions, and played two to three plays. And he threw a pass or two, and then he uh, ran uh, several times, ran a few times, and, or and or then at least ran re-option and handed it off. So he was a part of a plan before Finley ever threw two interceptions, before they made the, the hook for the rest of the game. So what that tells me is that there's at least a segment of this offense that can be conducive to having a, a mobile quarterback. Now, it might not be the main part of the offense, might not be the entire offense, but there's at least some packages in there. And Brian Harson talked about this yesterday, where there's at least some packages that Robbie Asher is absolutely designed to do, and he's absolutely going. It's going to fit well with him doing it. Again, we can we we wonder how much of it it actually is, and that was a real question. That's why in the preseason, I really I, I wasn't really picking any of the quarterbacks that I liked more than the others because I thought Ashford's ability to run would be negated some by the style that they were going to run offensively. But if they're willing to run him 10, 15 times a game, um, and the, the, he will start to fit. That he will fit more 
with uh, what you need him to do, what he what works best for him. All right, JJ and Ron, this is the only fear I have about Ashford. Okay, tell uh, us. It, it just regarding it, it wouldn't even have to be him, but uh, from all I've ever read, and had I said the same thing in the in the past, when you have a freshman starting as your starting quarterback, usually things don't turn out too well. Do you have that fear or concern? Well, I feel better about it because he was on a college campus last year. He's not a he's not a true freshman. He might be new to this Auburn program. But he never took any snaps, though. Well, sure, but I mean, he's still got a year. He's not eighteen. He has two years know. in a football program and one uh, year as a baseball uh-huh. athlete. So, so I, so I mean, he's he's not brand spanking new. He might be new to Auburn, but uh, he's not like like Clemson the other night threw out Klubnik, who is a true freshman, who is eighteen years old, and he led them right down the field and captivated a lot of people with a quick scoring drive at the end of that Georgia Tech game. Um, some, some freshmen, look, some freshmen do not have it figured out. It is not one size fits all. I'm not saying that uh, every 18-year-old is going to come in there and, and whip people in the shape, but Ashford, for one, is not 18. He has, as JJ said, experience in college already. And then two, look, some guys do figure it out very quickly and – uh, don't have as sharp of a learning curve. So the age thing does not – if he was a true freshman, I think that would have some merit, but he's not a true freshman, and so I, I'm not too worried about it. Okay, and just about um, Mr. Ashford, you know, he's obviously a, a freshman starter, but not a true freshman. Uh, then I thought about what about Zach Calzada? You know, I wonder now if Jimbo Fisher regrets uh, having Zach, you know, uh, leave uh, to come to us because their quarterback that they chose – through two interceptions himself in, in that game. You know that, right? Right, Haynes King. He, uh, yeah. He had a real mixed bag. I watched some of that game. He threw some beautiful deep balls, but then he also just forced some things. And, look, I, I don't know. if it, it, Right now, if Calzada's th- – which he is. Calzada's third on this Auburn depth chart, so I don't think Jimbo Fisher's losing sleep over it right now. Also brought in Max Johnson. Certainly that quarterback position is going to be very scrutinized over Texas A&M, but – Again, what we saw from Calzada last year paired with what we know in the preseason, that his shoulder is still not 100%. Well, if he was in College Station, the shoulder still wouldn't magically be – it wouldn't magically become 100%. So Great point. I, I, don't, I don't think he's too worried about that. All right, Give us your final thoughts, Steve, and then we've got to get to a guest. If you see, guys, I'm saying right now it's Alabama, and the rest is the field. I think there's no one right now that I saw that's outstandingly going to be taking second place in the SEC West division. Agree or disagree? In the West, in the West yeah. yeah. Yeah, undetermined. It's open. All right, Mr. Rylevoy? Yep. I know you like movies. I'll let you know what I'm going to go see. Okay. I'm going to see The Beast. I already beat you, too. Then, I saw it yesterday. He actually beat well, you to a movie, Steve. Oh, well, thank goodness. Wow. Did you like it? <laughs> did you like it? Oh, I, sorry. Uh, yes, I did. Um, let me see what, how I can just, just explain this. Um, I haven't seen a... I don't know how to describe that. It, it's pretty good. Um, it's not going to be like the coolest thing you've ever seen, but it's intense. Um, it leaves you on the edge of your seat, and uh, you know it's about a line. The line is fierce. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm going to go see this movie unless you beat me to it. Okay. Don't worry, darling. Um, I have not seen I don't think it's released yet, but no, I am playing it. Yep. I will All see right. that. Yep. And uh, I, do you get Hulu? I do. Okay. Then if you haven't seen this F- these series, I would strongly urge you because I think you'll like it. Uh, it's up my alley because I'm a retired former therapist. It's called The Patient with Steve Carell. I saw an advertisement for that yesterday and not for the first time. Yeah, well, I'll just let you know. You can read it, but uh, he's kidnapped by one of his patients who happens to be a serial killer. 
Oh, well, oh, love it when that wow. happens. And he was in the curing of being a serial killer, but he has him chained in, in the basement of his house. Sheesh. Uh, so, so he has him trapped. That escalated quickly. Wow. It almost feels so, a little bit uh, like uh, Misery by Stephen but King. It, yeah, it is, uh, kind of. But it's well, uh, it's well acted. Steve Quill plays a very convincing therapist, and he's in a lot of dilemmas about what to do because he doesn't know that he's a serial killer uh, until, well, you'll find out. But anyway, it's okay. worth watching. All right, guys, that's all I got. Hey, I thank you for letting me ramble. And, Ryan, I hope you are 100% correct that Robbie Ashford is going to be the answer and that he is going to surprise people like uh, we weren't expecting. Yes, sir. Hey, look, either way, if it's Finley, Ashford, Calzada, whoever, uh, still rooting for him and, and hoping they do play well. Same here. All right, guys, thanks for your time. I know my time is up. I hope the Braves can catch up with the dang Mets. That's right. We need that to happen. War Eagle, Steve. All right, War Eagle, guys. That's our good buddy, retired War Damp Steve, joining us there on the program. All right, let's take our next time out. When we come back, our good pal Ben Ingram joins the radio show next here on Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call Auburn on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app inside the studio. I'm J.J. Jackson alongside Ryan LaVoy. And while college football continues to kick off and get started, we are rounding third and heading toward the play a mad dash into the final month of the season for Braves baseball and for the Major League Baseball season our Atlanta Braves, one game behind the New York Mets. And as we do on Tuesdays, so honored and thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, Ben Ingram, who's here with us on the program. Ben, the time is greatly appreciated. How are things? Everything is going well, man. Starting up a a good road trip and uh, excited to see where we are at the end of this trip. Oakland Athletics Baseball. What can you tell us about your history there broadcasting from the ballpark and uh, and just your time over the years visiting the, the state of California? A lot of NL matchups over the years, but not too frequently that the Braves get to go out there to Oakland. No, not at all. We've not been out here since 2014. In fact, wow. uh, I take that back. 2020, I'm sorry, I take that That's Seattle. 2017 was the last time we were here. Okay. So it's still been five years since we were here. Uh, we did get to see the A's earlier in the season at Atlanta for two games, and the Braves swept that series and had no problems there. But uh, as far as my work in this ballpark, this will be just the second time I've ever worked at this ballpark. And really the only thing I remember, two things really stick out. We were here in 2017, and Mike Fulton, of all people, took a no-hitter into the ninth inning of that game. It was broken up on a home run wow. by Matt Olson in the ninth inning, oh, believe wow. it or not. So. Uh, that, that that's uh, that's something that sticks out. I was calling the game with Don Sutton, and I remember turning it over to Don. I think in the for the eighth and ninth innings, and was just really really hoping that Don would get the call a no hitter, and unfortunately it didn't happen. But we had a good time. And Ben, I'll tell you what you say. It's been a few years, and obviously this whole road trip because as you said, Seattle's been a while as well. But with the New Balance schedule incoming, 
these trips are going to be much more frequent. So maybe I, I know all the drama surrounding Oakland right now around trying to get a new ballpark, if the A's might end up moving and that sort of thing. But I guess these trips, will they become less special because they're going to be more often? Or are you still going to be just very appreciative to get to go to all the different ballparks within a short amount of time? Yeah, I think that's probably the focus more than anything. And um, I'm still missing, I don't know, three or four ballparks to complete my entire list of every ballpark. So the good news about that is, and we are having a conversation about this the other night, we're on the way up here, is how quickly now we'll be able to check off some of the other uh, ballparks that you might be missing. Uh, I think between – I know that the 2023 schedule has come out, so at the conclusion of next year, I think we'll be lacking just two ballparks and you feel like you'll get those pretty quickly. So that's pretty cool. I mean, you want to be able to broadcast at every single ballpark and, and check them all off the list. And and once you do that, I think it's still fun. I, I mean, the travel, I've said this before, I, I know for a lot of people travel is a tough part of this uh, of this job. It's one of my favorite things. It's probably one of my top two or three favorite things about the job is the travel and getting to go to different cities and different ballparks and uh, seeing what it's like in those cities. So uh, the cool thing about when we come here is we stay in San Francisco even though we're playing – Oakland. Um, so we, the only time we even go to Oakland is for the actual work uh, part of the trip. And then we come back to San Francisco. And San Francisco is a cool town to spend a few days in. So it, it is kind of weird how this trip works out as we're here for uh, this series. We go to Seattle for the weekend and then we come right back here to play the Giants next week. So we'll be in the same hotel twice in one trip. So that is a little bit unique. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when you look at this road trip, uh, you have a team that has played really poor baseball in Oakland. However, uh, you do have kind of the storyline of uh, Shea Langoliers having been uh, with the team for a little while, getting the first chance to see him play. But I'm really focused, Ben, on that Seattle series because typically the last several years, Seattle would have been probably in the same ballpark that uh, Oakland is in just in terms of series you really – uh, want to win and maybe even have visions of, of sweeping. But Seattle is having one of its best seasons in a long time trying to make the playoffs. So uh, I guess the question is, you know, what do we see in that series out of Seattle as far as ballpark atmosphere? And, and uh, is that probably maybe, Loki, the, the toughest series the Braves will play between now and that final series with the Mets? It could be. I think there are a lot of unknowns when it comes to seeing a team like Seattle. I'm excited for exactly what you mentioned, what the environment will be like. The, Mar- the, uh, the, the Mariners, I should say, have the longest postseason drought of any team in the big leagues. They've not been to the postseason in 21 years. That 116-team win team that they had in, in, uh, in 2001 – last time they made it to the postseason. So that fan base is starving for postseason baseball, and it looks like they may get in. They've won seven of their last eight. I know they lost yesterday, uh, but that's a good ball club, and they're trying to get to 20 games over 500. Uh, they're closing in on that. So I, I like playing a team like that in September. I know that when it comes to this time of year, and I've seen people on Twitter do this, they'll compare the Braves' schedule and the Mets' schedule the rest of the way and say, well, look who has the easier schedule the rest of the way. You, you don't want to have the toughest part of your schedule in September. I, I, don't get me wrong. But I like peppering in some good teams along the way in September. I, I don't like the teams that wrap up their division and they just coast in, and the first time they say 
play ball in the postseason is the first meaningful game they've played in several weeks. I like playing some very meaningful games against good teams in September uh, to kind of keep that engine going. That way, when you transition into the postseason, uh, you're used to playing those games, and you're used to having that, that engine going that you need uh, for postseason games. So I, I like the, the idea of facing a team like Seattle this time of season. Uh, I think it'll be very exciting for both teams and, and a chance for both teams to really stack themselves up against a team that's had a good season from afar. It's Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, joining us here on Sports Call. It's a five-game winning streak for the Atlanta Braves and one game behind the New York Mets. And as we've said, now they go on the road. What is the way, what is the key to carrying momentum, Ben, that we've seen from this club now playing away from Truist Park? How do you do that? Sure. Well, it's the most boring answer, but it's the most true answer. It's pitching. I mean, what this team has done on the mound, especially for about the last five weeks, has been very impressive. They've got a, a very impressive team ERA. I believe it's sub, or at least the starters ERA is sub three for the last, I, I want to say, month, maybe a little bit more than a month. Uh, these guys are going five innings or more just about every single night. I think that's the, the key to the engine. Uh, if you want a better bullpen, you need better starters. If you want to have better results, you need better starters. You don't have to score as many runs. If those guys are clicking every single night, and you've heard the cliche, but it's so true, momentum is as strong as the next day's starting pitcher in baseball. Uh, and, and that is so true for this game. If you're pitching and you're routinely getting good outings from your starters, you're going to be playing some really good baseball. Um, and, and I think that's what the Braves have done. I think the guy that we'll see tonight has been as big a part of that as anybody. And Kyle Wright, uh, he leads the league in wins, leads Major League Baseball in wins. No one saw that coming. Um, so you turn it over to Max and then Spencer Strider with 16 strikeouts. And Charlie Morton's been really good. And uh, I, I really love what this team has done in their rotation. And to me, if you want to finish this thing off, if you want to catch the Mets, you, you have to continue to turn in really good outing after really good outing from your starters, and the rest will take care of itself. Ben wanted to ask you about uh, Azuna from the Braves, who uh, was in the lineup this past weekend, uh, played pretty well, had some hits. At this point, with Robbie Grossman starting to struggle and with Eddie Rosario still just not ever coming around uh, this year after after the eye issues early, uh, does he still have a role with this team, I, I guess? Because I, I know that they're still rehabbing guys. There's still going to be roster decisions, but – uh, obviously he is starting to hit where the other guys have not. So what do you envision uh, the Azuna situation here going forward? I think it's going to be very similar to what you've seen the last few days. And, and I'll, I'll use the quote that Snit gave us. He said, he's on our team. He's on our roster, so we're going to use him accordingly. Um, you know, Major League Baseball does not have a – uh, a strict set of rules, I guess, for the situation that he's in, as disappointing as it has been with two arrests in the last year and a half. Um, I, I think so long as he is on this roster and he is still under contract, they're going to use him. Um, I know for the longest time they didn't. He played that one game post-DUI, and that was always sought of him for about a week and a half to two weeks. But like you mentioned, Robbie Grossman has had his, his share of struggles. Ronald Acuna's knee has been barking. They've tried to dehate him more than, than play him in the outfield. Um, I don't think long-term playing Marcelo Zuna in left field is, is the best idea because defensively he's a liability. Um, I, I think you need great defense in your outfield. And if you ask the starting pitchers, I think they'd say the same thing. Give me the good defense behind me. And we got plenty of other guys who can swing the stick. You want to use Marcelo as a DH? Fine. 
Uh, but I feel like the more that he plays in left field, the more you have to use him defensively, the more of a liability that is. So in the time being, it, they'll use him accordingly so long as he's on the roster. Um, but if you get some other guys healthier, if Eddie starts hitting a little bit more, if Robbie starts hitting a little bit more, if you can put Acuna in right field a little bit more, then to me, Marcelo Zuna is the odd man out in that, in that combo. Well, we talk about the Braves as they go into this final month of the season, Ben, and, and it was this past week that we had your colleague Kevin McAlpin on the program with us, and he was giving us a little note that uh, recently, before games get going in workouts and that sort of thing, we're even seeing Vaughn Grissom get some work with Eric Young out there in the outfield. Just the versatility that this Braves lineup has, it's probably going to be a, a big uh, factor as they go into this final month of the year because there are so many different lineup combinations when you think about an Aussie Albies returning to your lineup and other guys that are missing time right now. Yeah, I think you want guys who can go play multiple positions. And Vaughn has told me, I was visiting with him a, a week or so ago, and he said, just tell me where you want me to play. I'll go play anywhere, <laughs> left field, That's second awesome. base, shortstop, third base. He doesn't care. Um, he told me that when he was coming up in travel ball and going even back to his teenage days, he was primarily a shortstop, but he would ask coaches to play him in different positions late in games just so he could give it a shot, just so he could give it a feel. He told me he did that again when they uh, during the COVID season uh, when, when we had the, the alternate site. He would go play other positions there as much as they would let him just to make himself uh, more versatile and more of an option to go play other places. And that makes you valuable for a major league roster. So once you bring Ozzy back and he's ready to go, that doesn't mean that Vaughn's out. That means you can do other things with Vaughn. Um, and I think you'd say the same thing about some of the other players. You'd say that about William Contreras. We've seen him play some left field. And you, you hate taking his bat out of the order, even when he's not catching. You like to DH him. But if Ronald need, uh, if, if his need needs a day, then you can DH Ronald and you can throw William in left field if you wanted to. It won't be any worse than what you'd get out of Marcelo Zuna because that's just not his strength. So you've got some options there. And you've got some willing ball players who have no problem with doing that if it means the betterment of the ball club. Ben Ingram here with us. Braves getting set to open up an eight-game road trip, and you can listen to the action a little bit later here tonight on the uh, East Coast. And, of course, you're in Auburn in the Central Time Zone. Staying up a little bit late. Ben, if you will, kind of give us a, a rundown of the broadcast these next few days and what people can expect that are on the Braves Radio Network. Sure, it'll be Joe and me for this whole road trip. Um, I know when we get home, I think I'm doing a series with Peter Moylan and then doing a series with Jim Powell. Um, but for this road trip, it'll be Joe and me. And this, these two games in Oakland tonight, or uh, tonight and tomorrow, um, you're going to see a team in Oakland that is about as bad as they come offensively. They are last or second to last in just about every single offensive category. They can pitch a little bit. Uh, Cole Irvin goes for them tonight. He's a lefty. He's not bad. And they'll have a guy uh, tomorrow night making his second major league appearance. Um, just recently made his big league appearance, Ken Waldachuk. He's a guy that got the deal for uh, Frankie Montas and others with the Yankees about a month or so ago. So you've, it's an Oakland team that can pitch a little bit, but this, this Braves team should have no problem with Oakland. I'd imagine you send out Strider tomorrow and you send out Wright tonight. And then you have an off day on Thursday, gear up to take on a good Mariner ball club, and then come back to see the Giants, who have uh, really been struggling. I mean, that's a team that's severely underachieved. They've been hovering between third and fourth place in the National League West. Um, but it's never easy to come out here and win. There's just something about playing out West and in that West time zone. So we'll see if this team can adapt to that. I'd imagine that they would, and I'm expecting a good road trip and maybe even come back home in first place. We'll be listening to all the action on the Braves Radio Network. Ben, thanks for the time. Can't wait to catch up again soon.
You got it, fellas. Thank you. That is Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of our Atlanta Braves. You can listen to Braves baseball each and every night on our sister station, AM 1230 WAUD. One month left to go of Braves baseball. They're in a big, big, big division race. One game behind the New York Mets. Can't wait to see how it all unfolds there for the Bravos. Quick timeout. We're back in a moment here on Sports Call. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. I'm Sammy Coates, former Auburn football player and all-SEC wide receiver, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. All right, welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy from Insider Studios. If you want to be a part of the show, you can by giving us a call at 887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 As we just enjoyed a lovely conversation with our good pal Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves. And now we'll continue to take your phone calls as we go back to the phone lines. Matt from Tallahassee. Matt has called into Sports Call today. Hello, Matt. Hey, JJ. Hey, Ryan. What's up? What's up, Matt? Hey, uh, so, uh, Ryan, I I agree with you. I think Asper should be a starter and then probably play maybe like Ben bring the other freshman in and let let Ben just get out. I appreciate that, Matt. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's not. You know, I'm not trying to disrespect T.J. Finley or anything like that. But I was, I was kind of indifferent coming into the season. But once I actually saw Ashford's running ability, I just think that's that's too good to pass up. And I just, in general, I like mobile quarterbacks. It can cover up some offensive line issues. It gives you another thing the defense has to worry about. And so I, I'm always kind of more attracted to guys that can run a little bit and. We saw Robbie Ashford run really effectively. Well, I I, I got a couple of uh, questions for you. Um, I was talking to a uh, I was in Tallahassee at a Walmart. And I saw an Auburn um, guy just sending back the chips up, and he was saying that Bo Nix's brother is a lot better than Bo. What do you think about that? Uh, I I don't agree with that. Um, well, I, where did uh, Caleb Nix end I up? I think he ended up at Troy. Troy. We haven't seen Caleb Nix play yet, and I know that there's a lot of Bo Nix hate going around right now, but I would still remind people that Bo Nix started an SEC program for three years and had well over a winning record. And, um, you know, I know he played poorly against Georgia, but uh, Caleb Caleb Nix would would do well to be and have the career that Bo Nix has had. Here's a college game, and then I want J.J. to play my song from Greece. Uh, Texas, like who do you think will win the battle between Texas offense and Alabama's defense? And do you think that Texas can beat Alabama? No, uh, <laughs> I, I think Alabama is going to win the battle. They're they're really really good, unfortunately, really good. What do you, what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, no, I have to agree. I mean, Alabama, um, I, I think they're going to be a playoff team this year, and Texas is you know 
it's they're always talked about a lot because they're a huge brand and uh, we always laugh at them if they're actually back or not but i think the reality is is uh texas is just not on alabama's level as a football program yeah. right now and, and alabama should be able to beat them pretty well, easily. i got see i got texas over alabama and yeah. i got texas I got Texas winning 69-14. to 14. That'd be crazy if they were able to win by that margin. We'll see if it can happen. All right, here's your song. You ready? Yeah. All right. There you go. Great stuff. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Hey, hey, hey. I got Talisky over Bowman Guard. Yeah, good stuff. I got I got Wake over Vandy. All right. So I got I got winning. Uh, thirty-four to the thirteen, and then for the Auburn, Auburn Santos State game, I got Auburn winning forty-six to no 40, forty-three, uh, forty-three to uh, to uh, sixteen. There you go, Warren Go Good to hear from you. That's our good pal Matt from Tallahassee joining us on Sports Call here today. Quick correction, Caleb Nix is playing for Clemson. He joined the Tigers as a walk-on safety to start the year. Did not take the scholarship quarterback Did offer not know that from Troy. All. I didn't either. Didn't see that one coming. Big update for you. First hour of our show is in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. This is JJ Jackson inside the studio with my good pal, Ryan Lavoy. We're taking your phone calls and talking about Auburn football as they get set for week number two taking on San Jose State Saturday night inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn is officially 1-0 and on the season 
after a 42-16 victory over the Mercer Bears this past weekend. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Give us a call to join the show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at one 888 9 Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the Sports Call phone line, and we will use that phone line to bring on our next caller, Chris from Valley has called into Sports Call today. Chris, the call is appreciated. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Very well. Thanks for asking. Good, good. Yeah, so I listen to you guys daily. This is the first time calling in. Um, we appreciate it. My, yeah, I'm an hour or two in from work. Uh, I'm an IT director in Bullitt County Hospital in Union Springs, Alabama. So you guys getting in my drive home in the afternoons a lot Perfect. better with you guys. So, but reason I'm calling in, I kind of caught the uh, the show towards the end of the first hour, but um, I just want to reiterate on Robbie Ashford. I, I think it's a no-brainer to at least – I think we should start him at least. San Jose State needs to be the, the beginning of the game. I like TJ, um, and don't get me wrong, I, I like some things that TJ does well, but um, Ashford's deep ball – and his ability, his running ability, just I, I believe it's a no-brainer. I mean, and, and this has been said before, you know, Bo did start most of the time. You know, he did start most of the time at Auburn. Um, but, I mean, we had Malik Willits on the bench, which has been said, you know, goes up to Liberty. And then you got Joey Gatewood, which didn't do too much at Kentucky. But, you know, who knows what he would have did at Auburn. I mean, we're two totally different programs. Um, and, and I get, you know, Gus – Gus was trying to do the best for it, for the team, but I, I just think Harson for for him to put Auburn in the best situation, I think we should at least start Ashford this weekend and just see see how he commands the offense. Um, I just I loved what I seen Saturday night. The deep ball was there, uh, the the running ability. Um, I saw one or two uh, reads that weren't great. But overall, you know, I, I wanted your guys' opinion. Like I said, I, I tuned in late, so I don't, I don't know exactly what, where you guys stand on it. But I uh, would love to get your, your take on that. Yeah, uh, I, I started off the show kind of saying that I'm not trying to overreact to everything, but that I would prefer to see at this point Robbie Astrid be the starter. I, I really was undecided in uh, fall camp and, and practice leading up to it just because I think one of the biggest things with Astrid is – and as you mentioned, it's the running ability. And Robbie Ashford, as a, as a passer, we can't be sure off of seven passes what he is as a passer and if it will be better than T.J. Finley, the same, or even a little worse. It's still too early to tell. It was a great deep ball, and we all saw that. But we, we've got to see more out, out of that. But what we do know, uh, we, we can all see that Robbie Ashford can be an excellent runner. And that just brings a nuance that gives defenses fits. It also helps things like – we we liked what we saw with Auburn's offensive line against Mercer, but it was also Mercer, and so there's going to be really good fronts in this in this league that are going to challenge Auburn's offensive line. Well, that's when T.J. Finley really could bro- broke down a lot last year, and when you have a guy like Ashford that can escape that pocket from time to time and still be able to make plays, I think that's valuable. And so, uh, look, w- as we mentioned earlier as well, uh, Brian Harson is still going to start T.J. Finley, and again, that's not my preference. 
Uh, I don't know if it's JJ's preference for sure or not, but I, I will say that I think you're going to continue to see a lot of Ashford. And, and again, the the moment Finley, like I think they're going to start Finley in the Penn State game unless something uh, you know unforeseen happens in the San Jose State game. But I think that leash is going to be pretty short if we keep seeing Ashford in the San Jose State game play the way he did in the Mercer game. So he, here's my question. This, this is why I start to have my questions, though. And my question is, is San Jose State? I mean, and, and we should have that game in hand. I mean, it should be in-hand game. Why not throw Ashford out there to start the game? I mean, get, give Finley some competition. I know you don't want to mess with his head. But, I mean, what's it going to hurt? I mean, at this stage, at this stage, you're competing for a job. And I can go ahead and tell you, you guys probably watched the Clemson game last night. There's no way, and I, I the QB for, for Clemson, you know, his name it slips my mind. But the backup from Clemson, and again, it, it's kind of like Ashford. You haven't seen a lot of passes. You, you've only seen a few drives. But I can promise you, Dabo, after what he saw last night, if, if, that, if that continues the way it goes, I'm pretty sure – Dabo's going to make that change. And I, I just feel like Auburn, like we a few years back when Bo was in the swamp and Bo was just struggling and struggling. And this is a different – this is just a different time, and I get that. We're, we're, we're under Harsons now. That was Gus. But my, my thing is we – Bo just couldn't do anything. And we, we could have easily put Gatewood in there. We, we were losing the game. Uh all the way through four quarters, we were still in the game. Defense kept us in the game. Why not go ahead and and make the change? And while while we're playing San Jose State, that that's just my thought, guys. I, I don't know where you guys stand on that, but I I would love to see Ashford get a start just to just to see where we're at and and, and go from there. But I get it. It's you know with the QB, it is a mind game. I mean, you can mess it, and I get it. I I, I guess. But I, I, I would love to see Ashford at least get, get part of the start where, where it is meaningful part of the game to begin the game. And then that, that's just my thought because we're in a time where competition, if we're competing, like we need to be competing. And, and that's where you're at. You're, you're not automatically getting a start in college. Um, but I, I'd love your take on that as well. Yeah, so I think, um, I think the reason you do start Finley – is because I think the moment that Astrid overtakes him uh, is a very challenging moment for Finley to the point where there might not be um, there might not be it might be a point of no return as far as he's he's not going to have the mental headspace right ever again. Now look that 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 would be speculation. He might be able to persevere and he might be able to stay ready. And look, we're not even talking about if Ashford struggles, like injuries happen. And so what if there's a moment where Ashford gets injured and you have to have Finley back on the field? Will he still be mentally prepared for that? Look, it, it's it's a a tough dynamic. I would I would disguise Ashford a little bit just in that I would start Finley and then I would have Ashford um slowly work his way into different packages like starting I'd have him have a couple runs in the first drive and then you start a couple passes in the second drive and basically disguise the fact that you're kind of moving slowly in the Robbie Ashford direction because I I do think that the moment and this is and I'm just speaking from the coach's perspective here that 
if you, the moment you move on from Finley, you might never have Finley back again, and you and you might have made your bet at that point. I myself, as I'm talking just as an analyst and just looking at it, I would prefer to move on to Robbie Ashford, and I would not worry as much about the consequences because you kind of ask yourself, what are you as a team if your quarterback situation is never good at any point in the season? You're a struggling football team. Um, and so I, I think that the way to do it and the way they should do it, if they're wanting to maintain T.J. Finley as a viable option here, is you have to disguise Astrid in the sense of you're not putting him out there first play, the first drive, making it look like he's the starter, but you are giving him these packages quicker in the game. You're giving them a little more often than you gave him in the Mercer game. Because, look, he did get out in the field in the first half against Mercer. It was only a handful or two of plays before ultimately he took over after the second T.J. Finley interception. But I, I just think that if you if you start Astrid from the very beginning – you risk TJ checking out. And, again, that's me not knowing the kid. We, that would be pure speculation. He might put his head down, keep working, and stay ready all season long. But that is at least the worry that whenever you have the incumbent quarterback lose their job early in the season, after thinking they had already won it, you just worry about what How that do does to mentality. Yeah, I, I agree there. I mean, it, I mean, quarterbacks and kickers, I mean, you're, you're talking about – it's very it's very similar. <laughs> I've I've been around the game a little bit. I've coached a little bit. Nothing at at the extent of of what what <laughs> at the collegiate level or anywhere near close. It, it's been mostly high school, but um, yeah. And 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 I don't want to move on too quick. And I just wanted to get a few other things. Uh, if you guys watched this past weekend, it was a great weekend. Out even outside of Auburn, sure. Um, it was a fantastic. I don't know if you guys got to watch the Appalachian State and North Carolina game. I watched that game. I had three TVs on, and that was one of them. And, and the 40 points, I mean, and I'll tell you guys, that one and the LSU and Florida State, I North Carolina and, and Florida State, it, it just looked like both of them wanted to lose. I mean, you're tossing – Florida State tossing tossing the ball. You literally – all you have to do is kick a field. You, it, I mean, just hand it off. And they run a toss. LSU gets it back, goes 99 yards, literally gets down there, scores with one second left to go. Misses the extra point, and then you you go back to the the app app state in North Carolina. North Carolina could have recovered the onside kick, and, and game's over. They decided to run the onside kick for a touchdown. Leads it an eight point game. Appalachian State goes for two twice, doesn't get it. Um, it was just an absolutely wonderful, wonderful day of football. Wonderful weekend of football. Um, even the. I think it was uh, Pitt and was it Pitt in West Virginia? I think on Thursday night, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it started. I mean, this past weekend was absolutely wonderful. And then looking up to this weekend, um, I wanted to get you the last. The last thing I'll, I'll go over too is uh, just some of the lines for the games. Just just from where the bookmakers think how close they're going to be. Uh, Twenty points in the Alabama Texas game is not enough. In my opinion, Quinn, Quinn Ewers <laughs> transferred from Ohio State um, because obviously he wasn't going to get the starting job. Everybody's running. If you don't get a start, don't face adversity. And he threw an interception um, this past weekend. I didn't get this. I didn't get to see all of his gameplay. It didn't look great to me. I think Alabama's defense is going to eat him alive. <laughs> um, I don't think their defense can even slow down Alabama. So I'm thinking 42 10. Uh, and I think I think that's crazy. And then Florida having the outing they had against Utah, they're only four and a half point favors 
over Kentucky, I mean, that that's just that's that's incredible to me. Um, to think and then North Carolina's only seven and a half point favorites over Georgia State. But uh that's where I'm gonna leave you guys. Guys, I, I appreciate you guys taking my call. I appreciate us uh going over and I can't wait for this weekend. So make sure um, this isn't your last call to us, okay? This was a lot of fun. Call more frequently. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely will. Uh again, I love talking to you guys. Um, you know, I I'll I'll, I'll try to call in at least once a week, guys. We look but forward I to it. it man. Y'all, All right. y'all keep up the good work, man. Thanks. Sounds good. War Eagle, that's our good pal Chris from Valley joining us there on the program. A lot of good talking points. And, yeah, a lot of exciting, chaotic football games this past weekend. Uh, it is kind of wild, like he's thinking about uh, what is Texas going to look like against Alabama as we, we get a really early peek ahead to Saturday's game there. 42-10 uh, to 10 seems like a really reasonable – like I would not be surprised one second – if the final score of Alabama Texas was forty-two to ten, isn't that just unbelievable to say though? Like you're talking about two of the most storied programs in the history yeah. of college football, and you're just like, yeah, twenty points, not enough. And and I think that would be the I think that would be the common sentiment is a lot of people would take Bama to cover that. And uh, I just, I mean, look, it's at Texas, but again, it's eleven a.m. game. This is what kind of what the Big Twelve and some of the Big Ten does is some of their primetime games are. Big noon Saturday on uh on Fox, but I think that the funniest thing if you just if you just kind of admit I know Auburn people are going to root for Texas to win obviously I think the funniest thing just just if you're if you're more neutral you just say well hopefully Texas can like score first and and get the opportunity to try and once again claim that they're back and then they get destroyed. By that forty-two, it's like seven nothing, and then they Bama finishes the game like forty-two to three, the rest of the way. But I don't think that will ultimately be a close game. One more line, uh, since he did bring up, since Chris did bring up some lines, I think it's funny that Vegas just clearly does not care what the AP thinks of the ranking between Pittsburgh and Tennessee, because Pittsburgh is at home. And they're number seventeen in the country, and Tennessee is number twenty-four in the country, and and Tennessee is favored by six and a half points, <laughs> basically favored by a touchdown. They're basically saying, "Yeah, we don't. We either think that Tennessee should be ranked where Pittsburgh is, or we just don't think Pittsburgh should be ranked at all." Period. Um, so that one, that one's kind of a funny. That's that's a tough, tough tester of a line right there. All of them. I mean, you mentioned even there's an SEC game. We've got SEC versus SEC coming up this weekend. Florida, Kentucky. Gators by four and a half. Man, Florida. Anthony Richardson, like when, when bad things were happening, 15 said, it is okay. Yeah. I'll take care of it. Kind of jumped out of a sack on one of those plays. and He's fun to watch, man. He is. He's really fun to watch. And Their defense pl- had a great performance, too, against that Utah offense. If he keeps playing this way, then it's going to make Dan Mullen ultimately, ultimately look worse because Emory Jones – was able to keep that job really all year. And what would happen is, and I watched this, and I like I kind of could see how the decision was being made because what would happen is Richardson would come in there and he'd get a few pass attempts, and they wouldn't go great. And so you're like, oh, he's just a runner. And by the way, Emory can kind of run too, not as well as Anthony Richardson, but he can run a little bit too. He's mobile. So we're just going to keep starting the veteran guy. And, Dan Mullen just kept falling in that trap where it was just like he didn't give Richardson enough, I think, to to really be able to pull himself out in front. But if Richardson – and look, some of it too 
is you just improve. And in some cases, you don't improve. Some some cases in college, we're talking about 19, 20-year-olds. Of course, some of them are going to improve. Some of them, you know, will will not get to where you want them to go, and some of them become everything. And with Richardson, we always saw the potential, but maybe it just took a new coaching staff. You know, maybe maybe – Maybe Mullen didn't wasn't developing Richardson well. I mean that some of that is could be possible too because I definitely we definitely saw Richardson some last year and we saw the potential, but we also saw some mistakes. So if he plays like he did against Utah though all season long, then uh, Florida will have a much uh, smaller learning curve than we originally thought. I keep thinking about the quarterbacks, right? And and Anthony Richardson, how great he's been. And again, that was Chris from Valley on the program. Give us a call. Hopefully, Chris will call back more frequently into the program. Love getting a variety of new callers throughout football season. But yeah, Quinn Ewers. Here's a quarterback that is about to make his second collegiate start. And Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and the Alabama defense are going to come calling into your backyard. What in the world will that look like? For the Texas Longhorn quarterback on Saturday, uh, trial by fire. <laughs> uh, one last thing I want to say on Richardson, by the way, is to prove the point. He had 64 pass attempts last year. He threw five interceptions. Did have six touchdowns. Okay, 529 yards, but 59% completion percentage on 64 attempts and five interceptions. So again, I, I do want to say when he did get his few opportunities, it wasn't like a no-brainer. He did not take full advantage of those passing opportunities, but. Going back to Ewers, we've talked about this kid a lot because he literally moved up his high school graduation date so he could go to Ohio State early just so he could transfer and never play it down there because of C.J. Stroud. So he's at Texas. He's at his second big program in in as many years. And, look, it's a big opportunity for him because – I don't know what the return, how much you devalue a guy after they transfer once, but it's like if Ewers went just straight to Texas, if he just committed to Texas, he didn't go to Ohio State, didn't come out of high school early, and he just said, I'm going to Texas. As a five-star quarterback, everyone would just be stoked about this kid, right? I mean, everybody would be just saying, anointing him, this is who is going to get Texas back, he's going to be great, you know, and all of this. But instead, just because he moved everything up a year and ends up transferring out of Ohio State, you just kind of gloss over the kid and say, eh, kind of maybe damaged goods because he's a transfer and that sort of thing. But, look, there should be real hope there that not in this game, this is more of a Texas big picture, big picture thing, but there should be real hope there that he ends up being a really good quarterback because, again, if he had just gone straight to Texas instead of committing to Ohio State going there for a semester – I think everybody would would love the match and everybody would be very optimistic about what he would do. But in this particular game, uh, my advice is if he sees Will Anderson, just whatever you're doing, throw it away. Get rid of it. Don't be caught with the football when Will Anderson is nearing you. You you, you chuck – I don't care if it's central grounding. You chuck that thing – to Bevo, the uh, the big yeah exactly. Big you just you just chuck that thing wherever you can. I adore Ryan Lavoy coaching advice. Get out of quarterbacks. there, quarterbacks. Get know, out of there. We Not talk worth often it. about the Thunder Chicken playing days. You're also a former intramural flag football head coach. Oh, that you've, was bad. You, you, you've got some coaching experience. Oh, that was bad. That was bad. All right. Yeah, the, the play, the, for the record, the players didn't even learn it twice. <laughs> yeah. so I didn't have much oh, command over it. We've anything. got to take a timeout. When we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join Sports Call next. Tiger 95.9 FM. 
Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy. Hope that everyone is doing well on this Tuesday. Auburn football off to a 1-0 start as they defeat Mercer 42-16 and now turn their eyes to San Jose State. As we do each and every Tuesday throughout football season and beyond, we're thrilled to welcome in our next guest, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, back with us for another weekly chat. Ferg, the time is greatly appreciated. How much did you enjoy getting to be back inside Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday night. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, you know, it's been such a long off season where we've talked about so much and everybody's kind of had the same arguments or non-arguments or whatever you want to call it uh, for a while now. So it was good that we finally got back to actual football to uh, write about and talk about. So uh, I'll always I'll always take more of that. So it was, it was good to be back. Uh, no, did you have a, a lightning delay on your bingo card going into Saturday night? Felt like it was a pretty good possibility. Um, thought the forecast, like right before the game, kind of thought, okay, maybe this won't happen. Uh, but it got us. It got us, and we were uh, we were in there for about what an hour and a half uh, waiting uh, for the game to restart. So, um, you know, that's probably like the fourth or fifth time I've ever been through a lightning delay at Auburn. So, um, you know pretty much well trained at this point (laughs) all right so let's talk about the product on the field 42 16 is the final score everybody wants to start with quarterbacks let's start with the starter how do you assess what tj finley brought to the table in week one i thought tj finley played a pretty good game outside of the two really big mistakes he made which were the two interceptions and they're big they're big mistakes um the first one was he was trying to force something into double coverage which usually not advisable anytime, but especially when you're inside your own red zone, uh, that directly led to Mercer's first touchdown of the game. Uh, and then, um, you know, his second interception, you know, if he aired that ball out well enough, he could have had a touchdown there potentially. Instead, he's off his back foot a little bit, underthrows it, interception. That happened inside Mercer's red zone. You know, even that's where the ball was caught at least and uh, you know, potentially taking more points off the board for Auburn. So outside of that, though, I mean, at one point he, he completed eight straight passes. Uh, I thought he looked good running the offense. I thought he had uh, some good rhythm to him. It's just, it's just inconsistency, and it's what we saw last season from him uh, late in the year. It's just the man can make really, really good throws, and he can be a really good quarterback. It's just he's got to be a more consistent quarterback. But I do think in terms of running the offense, operating it, looking smoother, I think this offseason he has taken a step forward in those areas, and I think we saw that against Mercer on Saturday. He's just got to cut down the big mistakes um, because, um, you know, a guy like Robbie Ashford is just only going to get more confident and more, you know, locked into this offense the more time he gets. 
Something, Ferg, that I think a lot of people started to notice last year was wide receivers that just weren't creating a lot of space. They weren't getting very open. And I get that it's going to be really hard to evaluate that fully until Auburn plays Penn State and gets into some of the serious FBS competition. But through one game against Mercer, what did you think of the wide receivers trying to create space and running routes? Yeah, really good game for them, I thought. Um, you know, Auburn didn't throw the ball a ton in this game, so they didn't have a ton of chances to, like, just stand out. But there weren't very many times when they were wearing at least somebody somebody open, uh, on, you know, out there for Auburn. I think, I think Finley had to scramble once. I think uh, Ashford had to scramble once. Yes, maybe somebody wasn't open on those plays. But, you know, they got a lot of those guys in the game. You saw Davion Capers and Jay Fair and Omari Kelly, um, you know, guys who weren't, even on the uh, on the two D depth chart, get into the game uh, at wide receiver. Um, I think last year, you know, the big controversy and the big problem for Auburn was wide receivers not doing things correctly early in the season, um, which obviously led to the firing of Corn Williams, and you know, in the in earlier in the in the season than anybody would have expected. Um, didn't really see that uh, yesterday. I read our Saturday yesterday. Asked Brian Harson what he thought about the receivers. He thought. Operationally, they did a ton of good stuff. Javarius Johnson had an awesome game. Um, I thought you saw a really good game out of Shed Jackson as well. Other guys getting involved in the running game. But, you know, they'll get more opportunities to get the ball thrown their way. Auburn was very vanilla on offense outside of a few, you know, kind of fancy plays and uh, went run heavy by design. Uh, but, you know, I thought the wide receivers played a really good game. I think it was just kind of proof, some early proof uh, of uh, Ike Hilliard's uh, involvement and kind of the benefits he brings to the table and uh we'll see if, he, if that group can to continue to progress this weekend a lot of people talking about cam riley's big day on the defensive side of the ball uh with uh matching or exceeding the amount of tackles he had last year uh in one just one game this year um other than him what did you think of some of the newcomers, some of the guys stepping into starting roles for the first time and just kind of a, a good starting point for this Auburn defense? And Jason Jones down the middle of that defensive line is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he, he really just kind of manhandled his matchups throughout the night. Auburn uh, didn't allow pretty much anything in the running game uh, most of the way. Um, and so I think the defense line did good at that. Um, secondary, I think when you started seeing some of the newer guys and younger guys getting into the game, you had some kind of breakdowns in coverage, um, you know, towards the end. So they got to tighten up on that. I thought Keontae Scott played really well. Um, you know, got was around the ball a good bit when he was in the game. Also was, you know, pretty good with his couple of punt returns that he had as well. So um, like what Keontae Scott brings to the table for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the day really belonged to Cam Riley. Um, and then Auburn's defensive front, just got just got to get more sacks. That's that's the big thing for them. Is just they got a lot of pressure. They just need to actually convert into sacks. San Jose State might be the good opportunity for that. I don't know how many people know this because I don't know how many people watched the game or saw the box score. San Jose State gave up seven sacks last week to Portland State, um, which is an FCS team. I think Auburn should be able to uh, up that count a pretty good bit, uh, and maybe some of the young guys get involved in that. Yeah, I was about to, to say, Ferg, as we look ahead to that San Jose State game, obviously San Jose State almost lost that game as well. They trailed uh, for much of the fourth quarter. Uh, what realistically uh, can Auburn, I, I guess, again, this is going to fall into another category game, so just clearly a level below what Auburn will face the majority of the rest of the season. But going from game one to game two, I guess, what are some of the main things that you feel Auburn maybe just did okay 
in game one that you would really like to see them do better in game two? Yeah, coverage, obviously, um, especially when guys scramble and kind of buy time. Uh, I think Auburn had some couple of little breakdowns weren't as, weren't as sticky on their coverage as they needed to be. I think the first unit in the secondary did a really good job. That kind of core four veterans did. But when you're playing some newer guys and some younger guys, you got to be good in that effort. Like I said, need to get some more sacks, um, need to take all that pressure and actually turn it into some negative plays uh, would be good for Auburn. You know, cut down the turnovers on offense. Obviously, those were, those were TJ's mistakes, but, you know, it comes down to the team as well. Um, and then defensively, if you can take advantage and create some turnovers, San Jose State was one of the worst teams in college football last season at turning the ball over. They didn't have any turnovers against Portland State, uh, but and they've got new faces on their offense. But you know that that's an opportunity I think Auburn needs to take advantage and just you know try to get some instant instant changes out there. Other than that, you know it's just continuing to develop some consistency and uh, taking a step forward from your wide receivers, your quarterbacks, and your offensive line. And I think the running game, if the running game can have the same game that they had this past week against Mercer, I think Auburn will be in a really good spot. 24 carries for 181 yards and five touchdowns combined between Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. I guess my question here is we, we obviously feel really good about what we saw, if you're an Auburn fan, out of those two guys. Uh, Damari Austin trying to be that number three back, though, was not able to break a big run. Uh, do we expect to see more opportunities maybe for Austin at some point in the San Jose State game? Sure. Yeah, I think there there could be an opportunity for that. I think, you know, by the time Austin was in the game, they were playing a lot of second-team offensive linemen, so it was getting a little tough for them to, to kind of create those lanes. But um, Auburn obviously trusts him early on uh, to get him on the field. Um, he can do a variety of things. I'd be interested to see if he can do some passing game stuff for them as well. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the, that one-two punch of Big Z and Hunter is so good that Hunter's – that uh, I'm sorry, that Damari uh, uh, Amar, Austin's Opportunities might not be as prevalent, um, especially early in the season, but um, I can see them in this kind of matchup probably trying to give him a few more touches. Justin Ferguson's here with us from the Auburn Observer. Follow him on Twitter at JFergusonAU. How in the world does Auburn best navigate this quarterback situation moving forward, Ferg? Because TJ Finley, as you said, played a pretty good game outside of two interceptions. Turning the ball over is something that you just can't do. Robbie Ashford, we saw the running ability, the dynamics that he can bring to this offense. You've got San Jose State, and you want to be at your best before that Penn State game next year or next week and before you jump into SEC competition. So how does Auburn best navigate this quarterback position moving forward? You're sticking to what they're doing so far, honestly. I mean, I think Brian Harson and Eric Kiesa on the staff is like one of the only staffs in America that has experience making a, a multi-quarterback system work. Um, you know, I didn't think the flow was really affected. I didn't think like when TJ came in or out or Robbie came in or out, you felt like, oh, well, you know, Auburn lost their momentum on offense. Um, I think the only times Auburn punted were the drives where Finley was the only guy in the game. There were times when, when Ashford, there were a couple times actually where Ashford had a big play, a big run or something, and then TJ came right, right back in and ripped the ball downfield and made a good play right on top of that. So it's just, you know, don't – I know fans are going to watch that game and say, nope, it's got to be Robbie Ashford. It's got to be Robbie Ashford. Well, number one, that's a game against Mercer. Uh, they're, the FBA, uh, they're an FCS team. Number two, it's really the first opportunity we've gotten to see Robbie Ashford at all at the college level. Uh, number three, you don't want to jeopardize – your confidence in QB1 after one game where, he again, he played well outside of the two turnovers. 
Um, so stick to what you've been doing. Uh, I think you're going to see Robbie Ashford continue to grow in this offense. Um, I think they're going to you know, increase his role as time goes on. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think it's going to be one of those things where if T.J. Finley can cut down on the turnovers and continue to operate the offense well, this will be his job where he still plays a key part. But I think Ashford just brings something different to the table. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it works against, you know, tough competition. But, you know, I'm of the opinion uh, that Auburn could make a multi-quarterback system work because this staff has experience doing that. Um, you know, you, you just don't need to be quite as predictable uh, as you might think you could be, um, you know, with, you know, a running quarterback and throwing quarterback. But as long as both those guys can kind of can do some of everything and Auburn can go back and forth between them um, and, and, and keep the flow high, you know, and then the offense, I think it'll be fine. But don't overreact. Don't overreact to the really good game from Ashford. Don't overreact to the two interceptions from Finley. Um, stay the course and, and trust uh, what you learn this offseason, what you're going to learn in, in, in these games moving forward. Ferg, let's look at college football as a whole because we had a fun week one. We had uh, we had some beatdowns like Georgia murdering every single duck in their way. Uh, we, we saw the Ohio State-Notre Dame game be very competitive. We saw an upset with Florida beating Utah. We saw uh, a North Carolina-App State game where North Carolina allowed 40 points in a single quarter and somehow still won that football game. Uh, what felt significant to you? What were you surprised about in week one? Um, I wasn't surprised that Georgia crushed Oregon. I might have been surprised at the scope of it. Um, Georgia's going to be really good, guys. I don't know what you, I don't know what we have to tell you. Then it's like, oh, they lost so much. Oh, uh, no. Uh, you know, this Stephen Bennett's still a really good quarterback. They've got some freak shows at tight end. Um, that defense is going to be loaded with five-star talent. They're going to be really, really good. Oregon playing in the Pac-12 with a new coach, even with Bo Nix. Like, you know, they're just, it's a different class. It's just, it was, and that was kind of laid bare. Um, some really, really fun games. Uh, you know, obviously, um, you know, the backyard brawl was a ton of fun. Uh, Florida-Utah was fun, I think. I think that goes to show the other thing, like I just said with Oregon, it's like Florida's got the new talent or the new coaching staff. They're trying to reset and change a lot. Utah's really good, but it's just the football is just different over here. I mean, I think we can you know, go back to go back to the end of the Malzahn era. You know, two teams for Auburn that did not win the SEC, didn't win the SEC West, didn't even come close. Really, um, beat the Pac-12 champions in the opener. Like it's just. I don't know what I have to say other than just like it's different. It's different over here than it is over there, and that was kind of that was just kind of proof uh, even further. Um, but really, really fun game between Florida and Utah. Um, Ohio State Notre Dame was fun um, from what I could see. Um, I just think you know Marcus Freeman's defense is going to be able to keep you know keep them in, in striking distance, and maybe Ohio State's not the super well machine we thought they might be right off the gate, right out of the gate, but. Uh, really, really, really fun weekend, and uh, I think this upcoming weekend is going to be uh, even better. The floor is yours, Mr. Ferguson. Please give us a plug for the Auburn Observer. Yeah, auburnobserver.com. Uh, newsletter comes out pretty much every day of the week, uh, and a podcast as well that we do. You can listen to our recap episode uh, with myself and Dan Peck. Uh, on uh, Wherever you listen to your podcast, those are free. Our preview podcast will come out later this week, so we look ahead to the San Jose State game, uh, myself and Painter. You can get that with a subscription to Observer, uh, AuburnObserver.com. It's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. You get every podcast we do, and you get every newsletter that I write. So the ones this week did a film room yesterday. 
on all of Auburn's uh, Auburn's quarterbacks. A lot of stuff in there from that one. Uh, and then today uh, did a breakdown of Auburn's defense, what they need to improve on heading into next week. More newsletters to come, more podcasts. And uh, if you sign up and subscribe, everything we do gets emailed to your inbox so you can read and listen on your own time. Uh, it's the easiest way to consume content, I think. Uh, and uh, once you're in, you're in. So auburnobserver.com, sign up, pay the subscription money, and you are in. We'll see you this weekend at the uh, at the stadium, Ferg. Thanks for the time today. Thanks for the visit. Yes, sir. All right. That's our good pal Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on the program there. Please do make sure you support his work, his film rooms, are legendary, really good breakdowns and insights. And, uh, yeah, Georgia's a really good football team. Really good football team, as are the Florida Gators, as is yep. the SEC. They're down south, Paul. They're down south, Paul. They are indeed. Alabama, hey, they're really good. And, again, Chris from Valley called in a little bit earlier. Why in the world is the line only 20? This team is a really good football team going up against uh, what we would call a rookie quarterback in college football and Quinn Ewers. Good football ahead this weekend, that's for sure. If you want to call in and chat with us about the state of college football, games coming up this weekend, the Auburn quarterback situation, whatever, do that. Give us a call now on Sports Call. 90-second break. We're back in a moment on Tiger 95.9 FM. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call Podcast. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Ah, welcome back in. Auburn's first Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Thanks again to uh, Danny Skutak. For bringing us back tomorrow we got a special guest coming into the studio philip lolly a long time auburn university tigers assistant coach will be on our show breaking down all things auburn football coach lolly joins the program tomorrow here on sports call again our podcast is brought to you by coca-cola if you ever miss sports call live or if you want to hear something again make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand Wherever you get your podcasts, enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy here inside the house. Moving forward on the program today. And Ryan, we're giving the SEC a lot of praise, as we should, for what they were able to do this past weekend. And um, hey, how about Vanderbilt? 2-0 and for the Commodores. Now don't watch the other 10 games. <laughs> well, I was telling you, I've like... I was not of the opinion that a James Franklin type of Vanderbilt season was incoming after they crushed Hawaii, but I was thinking, all right, Missouri, South Carolina might want to watch out. And and look, maybe Vandy can still win a conference game, but it was not reassuring when uh, Western Kentucky also housed uh, Hawaii like 42-17 to 17 or, or something like that this past weekend. So um, Vanderbilt 2-0, enjoy it. Only 2-0 team in the SEC. 
What do they got next? They road game at Northern Illinois coming up this weekend, and then at Alabama next week. No, they got Wake Forest next. Oh, they've got. I, I can't read. I was jumping. Well, Wake Forest very similar color Wake scheme. Wake Forest is um, going to be at home. For however, <laughs> g- bad news for Vandy. Uh, Sam Hartman is coming back for Wake Forest this weekend. Yeah. So two and one. Here it comes. <laughs> How do you like that color matchup, Vanderbilt Wake Forest? That really is very similar color schemes. Yeah. Um, That's going to be good. Academic schools to see. Yeah. Let's get your phone yeah. calls. Eight eight seven thirty four zero one. Toll free at one triple eight nine. Tag and I do up next for us on the program. Luke from Alex City. Luke has called into Sports Call today. What's going on? Luke, hey guys, how are y'all? Very well, thanks for asking. Good. You know, you're asking why the line is only 20, and and boy, all you have to do is look at last year, right? I mean, Alabama strolled into Lone Star State about an 18 point favorite against a team from Texas and came out of there with an L. Um, now, a lot has changed since then. Bryce Young is a year older and wiser. Um, I would say this Alabama team is probably overall better than that last year's team. And I'm not sure Texas has the same uh, roster in terms of talent that that Texas A&M squad did, even uh, even with B. John Robinson and Quinn Ewers both being five stars. But um, you know, Alabama's had some trouble uh, at times on the road. I mean, Stephen Garcia, 2010, always comes up. Uh, Ole Miss, 2014, comes up. Uh, Texas A&M last year. There hadn't been a lot of trip-ups, though, and, and so I'm suspecting that Alabama will cover that spread. Yeah, it's it, the, the, the Ewers dynamic is so interesting, too, just that, okay, this is going to be your first real big moment, and that defensive front for Alabama would just absolutely terrify me. Yeah, and, you know, um, a lot's being made of the fact Alabama didn't have any sacks this past weekend, and they didn't. And I mean, there's, there's no sugarcoating that. Uh, the one thing I would say is that Utah State seemed to have a game plan of, I don't care if we throw this ball directly into the ground or into the void of space, we're not going to give up a sack. Uh, because sack not only is uh, a yard loss, a yardage loss, not only could lead to a fumble uh, and turnover, um, it's also a big uh, deflation for the team. So I think they just have the strategy of, we don't care if we don't get the first down, but we're not giving up a sack. I don't think Texas is going to be that way. I think Texas will have to be a little bit more aggressive, stay in the pocket a little bit more, and that lends itself to uh, Quinn Ewers meeting Mr. Will Anderson and and Dallas Turner and and the like. Any thoughts on the Auburn quarterback situation, Luke? You know, I I think everybody's making a little bit too much out of it either way. Um, I think that uh, all the, the Auburn pundits have done a pretty good job of saying, look, don't just read into those two interceptions T.J. Finley had. Um, I still think T.J. Finley, hey, look, of the two uh, deep balls that were thrown, I thought T.J. Finley, his pass was at least as pretty <laughs> as uh, Ashford's was. Now, he did have the two. One of the interceptions was just awful. It was just a bad read, and, and um, he just never saw the guy, apparently. But um, And I think Ashford is probably – more athletically gifted. I don't think there's much debate about that. However, let, let's. I would pump the brakes a little bit. I, I would trust the coaches here and say, let T.J. Finley go out there and see what he can do this week, and then let him start against Penn State um, and and see what happens. Penn State's defense is pretty good. It's not it's not SEC upper tier, but it's pretty good. And so it'll be a stiff test for him. And if he can't make anything happen, then you have Robbie Ashford right there. I thought it was very interesting Robbie Ashford played so much in the second half because whether or not they pulled him 
for the interceptions, and, and the coaches said they didn't. They sure gave the impression that they did. And, uh, frankly, I thought they would give T.J. Finley a little bit of time to make up for his mistakes, but um, they just wanted to go another route. And I think at this point all you can do is trust the coaches because, look, in the end, Mercer is not even as good as an A-day scrimmage. And that's no offense to Mercer. Just Auburn has better, a lot better players up and down the roster everywhere than Mercer does. So they, they get a better experience playing a scrimmage than they do actually playing Mercer. Um, and so I wouldn't read too terribly much into this either way. Luke, we certainly appreciate your thoughts. Thanks for the call today. Thanks for being on the program. All right, guys. Have a good one. All right. That's our buddy Luke from Alex City. Joining us there on Sports Call, 887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 Yeah, it's interesting. When uh, Finley was pulled, like he's saying, they're saying, hey, that was it. Like we heard from Coach Harson yesterday, Ryan, you and I were both there at that press conference. But after that second interception, he never went back in. And so eyeballs can kind of be raised at that. Well, and I'll tell you another opportunity that you could have gotten off of that narrative if they had just put Calzada in for a series. Right. Because then they could have played it off as this was a scheduled, you're coming out now, going to give Astrid this amount of time. But, you know, they they had a drive with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter, up 42-10. It was an eight-play drive that ended up turning over on downs. They could have easily put Calzada in because – they had had two straight Ashford touchdown drives after that, and then they could have gone to Calzada, and they didn't do that either. So uh, it, it left some room for debate there. Uh, certainly, though, um, it was interesting timing, but Harson dismissed it, obviously, as we know in the in the press conference yesterday. We've reached the end of our number two here on Sports Call. David from Smith Station, you are due up first to get us going here in the third and final hour of Sports Call today so david stick with us you're up first after this final timeout we've reached the end of the hour my name is jj jackson working alongside ryan lavoy today two hours of sports call are in the books and we're rolling two hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy as we're making our way through a Tuesday show. Two-man booth here on the program. Just me and you, partner. Uh, we're just we're moving right along. Yep. We're hanging in there. What been a fun, fun show, show so far. It has been a fun show. I took the words <laughs> right out of your mouth. <laughs> what about that? You we call- finished each other's sandwiches. sandwiches. Yeah, yes. there we go. And you call that chemistry. That's what Amen. you call that right there, brother. So if you would like to be part of the show, we would love to hear your phone calls. But very quickly, let's do this. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? 
It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Absolutely we can. It's time for your Daily Show Recap here on Sports Call and on today's program. In the opening hour, we had a great conversation with Ben Ingram, the radio play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves radio network. Braves open up an eight-game road stand, starting with the Oakland Athletics tonight, one game behind the Mets. Big-time baseball set to be played by our Atlanta Braves. We've talked with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer and a lot of phone calls, Ryan. A lot of people wanting to know what the future of this Auburn quarterback position looks like. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, first bits of analysis on it and first time to actually get to see with our own eyes against an opponent that's not other Auburn players. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of of people will get in a lot of different opinions in. All right, let's get more phone calls in here. 887-3401. David from Smith Station is on Sports Call with us now. Hello, David. Thanks for waiting. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Very well. Uh, you know, watching the game there uh, Saturday and it being Mercer, you know, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. But look like me, our wide receivers is doing a whole lot better. TJ threw two interceptions, which I think was on him. He just didn't see the defenders, but uh, I'm thinking our wide receivers are looking a whole lot better. Uh, It looked like a lot of improvement from last year, which I think that's going to help us tremendously. And did we pick up another commitment from a wide receiver Thursday or Friday? Uh, right before, I think right before the week got started, Sorry was his last name, I believe. I, I think it was the week prior to that. It was the same day that Alan Green actually resigned on the post and uh, and, got, and did get a, a commitment there. But, uh, yeah, Ryan, we haven't spent much time talking about those wide receivers. Yeah, and, and that's why we asked uh, Justin Ferguson about it, just because I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that uh, they were more open, and they did do a better job running routes. And I think that's something that – you know, sometimes we don't give enough credence to is sometimes when quarterbacks sit in the pocket, we just say, throw it, throw it to somebody. And that's very uh, much a thing we do. Sometimes the guys are just not getting open. And I think that was the case a lot of last years. You just didn't see a lot of great routes being run. And I think that was the hope with I Killiard that uh, you would start to see that turn around rather quickly. I Killiard being uh, a guy with obviously a lot of success as a wide receiver, both in college and the NFL. And so through one game, yes, as you noted, it is Mercer. But, look, all you can do is play the opponents you got in your schedule. And through one game, I think Auburn checked the box in the department of better route running and, and better separation gained by wide receivers. Dequavius Sori is his name, a Chipley, Florida wide receiver, six foot two, one ninety four star wideout, and it was back on August 26th. So a little bit over okay. a week ago, nearly two weeks ago. But, uh, yeah, David, you're right. They did get another wide receiver commit. Yeah, that's what I, I was just wondering. I, I, I'd seen it, but I didn't see uh, a very big article, and I was just wondering about it, man. Uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, it fell on the same day that Alan Green resigned. So much, much, much bigger headlines, unfortunately, uh, kind of took over DeQuavia's time in the, in the uh, spotlight there on that Friday. What's the status on uh, Calzone? Uh, he was dressed out. He was um, warming up the entire game. He was going through some reps there. So I, I think he would be officially 
good to go. We know that he's recovering from that shoulder surgery and the offseason shoulder injury that he had. Also got banged up there against Auburn, funny enough, last season uh, when the Tigers played Texas A&M. So he's good to go. Uh, he's just officially listed at third place, third string on the depth chart. Yeah, I, I was just wondering if I was giving him a little more time to heal up because uh, I, I would have thought, you know, they he was walking around, but, you know, they never did put him in. I'm kind of like what you said a while ago. I would have thought they would at least put him in for, you know, maybe a series, a couple plays or something, and didn't. So I'm just uh, wondering if they're trying to save him and give him more time for his arm to heal up or, you know. But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. David, call us back soon. It's good to hear from you. That's our good pal David from Smith Station joining us on the program. 887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 if you'd like to call in and be a part of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. It's myself, J.J. Jackson, and Ryan LaVoy on Sports Call today. A two-man booth as we go back to the phone lines. Terry from Auburn. Terry's with us on Sports Call. Hi, Terry. Good afternoon, guys. How y'all doing? Very well. Hope you're having a good Tuesday. Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, Ryan. What's going on, Terry? Hey, uh, was I the only guy that cringed? When he, when uh, Justin Ferguson mentioned um, a two quarterback system, uh, well, I, I'll say this: we were sitting in the press conference too yesterday, and that's absolutely what Brian Harson said: is that he well, if if he's looking for a one way ticket back to Idaho, he just found it because it's never worked, and it's not going to work either. I don't care, I, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Ryan, but but at the same time, I'm tired of hearing it. It ain't going to work. It's never going to work. I'm tired of hearing he's the coach to make it work. We've heard that about a dozen times or more. This guy can make it work. No, he can't. He can't make it work, and it's not going to work. And let me tell you guys why Robbie Ashford not only be the best choice, but be the smartest choice at quarterback. Because Brian Harson wants to run a pro-set offense with a, with a smash-mouth offensive line, correct? That's his style of play, right? Yeah, that's what we've seen. Okay. Until he has time to build that offensive line in the, which he way, in the way he wants to do it, he needs somebody who can get him out of trouble and might save his job. And Ashford certainly has shown off the ability to run, and I, I was really impressed with what we saw. And we know that you were uh, kind of singing his praises all throughout fall camp leading up to the mm-hmm. season, Terry. And uh, you're right. I, I, I kind of have a, a similar reaction. I don't know that it's as strong as yours when you hear about two quarterback systems because you just don't really see that play out as frequently. And I think Ferg wisely pointed out the fact that if you're going to do that, You've got to be more dynamic than just, okay, here's Robbie Ashford and we're going to run the football when he comes JJ, in. JJ, it's, it's never worked. Yeah. Let's, 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 yeah. let's, let's pre- let me preface it. It's never worked. Yeah. Remember they tried the Chris Lake thing with Tim Tebow? And they won a national championship. Right. Well, they won, but they, it, Tim Tebow also played some halfback, too. Yeah. So I, I just, I, you never, it never works. It's, just, it's, it's never going to work. I'm sorry, guys. It's just never going to work. I just I wish people would get away from that, and that just absolutely made me cringe when he mentioned it because it's just just not going to work. Yeah, it's not. He, and the man who's looking for a one way ticket back to Idaho, he'll get it. We will see. We'll see how it goes against San Jose State and see what the quarterback well, I, looks like moving forward. He's got to he's got to build that offensive line, and you're not going to get that with all due respect to the previous caller, David, by get, getting wide receivers. You got to get some offensive linemen in there. You got to get some guys in there who can play smash mouth and line up big boy football. You know, I ain't seen a wide receiver catch a pass yet from a quarterback laying on his back. So, um, you know, that, that, that's that got to happen. And until that time, he needs Robbie Ashford, who's a playmaker. Right. T.J. Finley's a statue. He can't move. To, he can't move. I don't think T.J. can move in a phone booth. 
He's a big, intimidating-looking guy, but he's not. But he's not. A, he's not a. He's not a mobile quarterback. I think we. I think that. I think that goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. We haven't seen much mobility from Finley at all during his college career. So, but if the if the offensive line is not going to protect well, that's the kind of guy you need, and that's why it should happen. And we will see how and, it goes moving forward for sure. And also, the running game would would thrive under Robbie Ashford. Trust me. I agree. I think that we were definitely uh, when when you have a quarterback that can run plus the running backs that Auburn has, boy, that's a tough offense to stop. So we'll and, see if and they remember, can make Auburn that played for a national forward. title, JJ, in thirteen with Nick, Nick Marshall completing ten passes a game. Yeah, so it can work. Right. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, it can work. The two quarterback system won't work. I promise you. Take yep. care, guys. All right. Thanks for the call today, Terry. Good to hear from you. Three three four eight eight seven thirty four zero one. Or toll free at one triple eight nine Tiger Nine if you would like to call in and be a part of the show. Uh, Auburn does have pretty good running backs to hand the football off to, regardless of who the quarterback is. And I'll, I'll go back to kind of what Ferg said in his point that uh, yes, you can have an opinion on a two quarterback system. I will one hundred percent jump in the boat of this isn't going to work if every time Ashford comes in, you know what to expect. Like, you've got to be able to see a little bit more out of him, I would believe. Yeah, and, you know, I think with what Ashford did, it was important that you saw the deep ball because if you're going to put that second quarterback out there, as you said, you can't just do one thing with both guys. But it it, it does operate in this very tough space because the inherent problem with the true two-quarterback system is that – you become too predictable when one guy is in or the other guy, right? Well, if you are to find a, a guy that can really do both, right, you, you, you can find a way to not be predictable. Well, then at that point, why do you have to play two? Because can't one do it all? You know, I mean, do you see what I'm saying here? Yeah, like, can't, absolutely. can't one guy... If, if one guy can truly run well enough to warrant him playing, but he's shown pass well enough to be able to keep the defense guessing, does that not kind of mean that he's good enough to just play all the time? <laughs> like, I, I mean, and also, like, quarterback's just not a position where, oh, I li- kind of like two guys. They do multiple things well. Well, nobody runs it like that. It is very hard to maneuver that sort of thing. So, I, I don't know if I can think of a time, you know, think of this. I, I don't I don't really have the memory bank up high on two quarterback systems to tell you if it's never worked. Because I, I do believe Florida worked. Uh, they won a national championship. And Tebow only did really one thing. You know, he did have his jump pass. That's where it originated uh, from. Um, but, you know, uh, there's not a lot of examples of, of, of teams really doing that all season long the way Florida did that. Um, and I don't think Auburn has a, a Chris Leak or a Tim Tebow necessarily. So um, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel comfortable about a two-quarterback system either, but it, de- it depends also on your definition of what work means and if Auburn pieces together enough wins with it. And I, and I don't know that that's ultimately what it will be. I think that's what it will be the first couple weeks here of the season, but that doesn't mean that's how it's going to finish the season. A lot to be determined and a lot to figure out. We get more evidence on Saturday night in Jordan Hare Stadium. 6.30 p.m. Central kickoff, 3.30 p.m. airtime on FM Talk 93.9 with the Tiger Tailgate Show. 
All right, we're due for a break. We're back with more after this on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson inside the studio with my good pal, Ryan Lavoie. It's been a fun show. Tomorrow, Coach Philip Lolly will be inside our studios. Really looking forward to that visit, letting him share his thoughts so far on the Auburn season so far. Coach Lolly, so many years with Auburn football from 1999, getting hired as the strength and conditioning coach, having titles like linebacker and DB coach, director of NFL operations, director of football external relations, cornerbacks coach, and then having a career as a defensive coordinator in the CFL. Longtime coaching career, and Coach Lolly will be on Sports Call tomorrow. So, Looking forward to that. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can call us, 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 tiger 9 to be on the program as what we want to do right now. We do this once a week, so it's fair that we do this here on today's program, but once a week we hand out our Sports Call Player of the Week award. Here we go. Let's do this. Sports Call's Player of the Week. Auburn Junior linebacker Cam Riley is Sports Call's Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. After having 14 tackles in the entire 2021 season, Cam Riley started the 2022 season with authority. Riley collected a game-high 15 tackles in Auburn's 42-16 season opening win against Mercer. Riley's 15 tackles are the most by any Auburn player since Zacoby McClain had 17 against Texas A&M in 2020. Riley's performance puts him in a position of strength next to Owen Papo on the Auburn's defense. Auburn Junior linebacker Cam Riley is Sports Call's Player of the Week. And again, Sports Call's Player of the Week is presented by Eric McDade State Farm. We always talk about that linebacker spot. Owen Papo was the guy that we were wanting to see back out on the football field because he really, really played sparingly a year ago in 2020, and so it's good to have zero back out there. But it was number 13, Cam Riley, who had been wearing number 35 his first couple of years on campus. Now he's wearing jersey number 13, and he had 15 tackles. As we said, the most tackles by any Auburn player since Kobe McLean had 17 in 2020 against Texas A&M. But uh, Auburn, most years, can rely on some pretty good linebacker play. Yeah, they have. And, look, Auburn has not had those guys necessarily go on to big NFL careers like they've had some of their other positions. You think of DB right now. Auburn's had a lot of those guys, defensive line. Uh, but the linebackers have always been really solid for Auburn. And you think of guys that in the last seven, eight, nine years that just had really good college careers, Deshaun Davis, uh, Casanova McKenzie, uh, Chris Frost, just these guys. And now most recently, obviously, Jacoby McClain, Chandler Wooten, that have just been really quality SEC Auburn linebackers. And um, – the expectation was someone else would come along there, and Cam Riley is off to a tremendous start with that. 
you still got to see what Owen Papo is, if he can return to that level that he had kind of played at those first couple of years here at Auburn. But uh, with, with Cam Riley, certainly that gives you someone that you feel um, will, will, will help steady that uh, line of defense. And, look, well, big first week for him. Hopefully he can follow it up and Auburn can continue to get production at the linebacking position. Absolutely fun stuff from Cam Riley, our Sports Call Player of the Week here today on the program. All right, as uh, we move forward here on today's edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, something else that we always do each and every day is we make sure that we recognize our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Yes, birthdays in sports here today on September 6th, 2022. Birthdays in sports is brought to you by Max Credit Union. Make sure you stop by Max Credit Union. They've got one location on Gay Street in Auburn, also a spot on Frederick Road in Opelika for all of your banking needs. Stop by and visit Max Credit Union. We gave birthday shout-outs yesterday to Mr. Greg Lavoie, Ryan's father, got a birthday shout-out on the program yesterday, as did Eric McDade, our good buddy from Eric McDade State Farm. I'd like to give a happy birthday shout-out to my dad. My dad is celebrating that, his birthday today. Does that mean I give today. him a birthday shout-out since I was on the show yesterday? So I, <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, Dr. Jackson. There uh, we go. A wonderful father and someone that has been great in his profession. Yes. Someone that J.J. looks up to. And uh, we hope he's having a great birthday. Indeed. Today. Thanks for that, Ryan. Yeah, happy birthday to my pops. Uh, he's celebrating his birthday today. John Wall has his birthday as well. A five-time All-Star, number one overall pick of the 2010 NBA Draft. He's 32 years old today. Plays for the Clippers now. We've got Mark Andrews, a tight end for the Baltimore Ravens, is celebrating his birthday today. Pretty good target. Played at Oklahoma. Lamar he's going to be thrown to a lot this year with Hollywood Brown no longer in Baltimore. Great point. Yeah, he's going to get a lot of targets. Uh, Mario Addison, a defensive end for the Houston Texans, spent eight seasons for the Carolina Panthers, started at DN for the Panthers on their Super Bowl 50 team. He gets after the quarterback quite well. He's from Birmingham. Mario Addison played college football at Troy. Happy birthday to Mario Addison today. And then we've got a couple of, uh, one more basketball birthday. Joe Harris, the sharpshooter, formerly of the Virginia Cavaliers in college basketball, now playing for the Brooklyn Nets. A little bit injured last season, making a full recovery. He's got, uh, you know, some good passers on his team. Space the floor, catch and shoot. That's what Joe Harris will do this upcoming season. And then, Ryan, how about I present you a pair of first basements celebrating their birthdays today. Derek Lee and Mitch Moreland are celebrating their birthdays today I'll on the give baseball me Derek diamond. Lee. <laughs> I mean, Moreland, good left-handed power for a few years there with Texas, but Derek Lee with the Marlins and the Cubs, um, quality first baseman for a long time. Derek Lee, like half a season with the Atlanta Braves, and way the past Yankees his prime. Maybe and, I mean, yeah. just yeah, yeah, good stuff. Tall guy, a lot <laughs> of first basemen are, and spells his name interesting. Derek, D E R R E K. Yeah, I don't see many Derricks. Spelled that way. D- I, didn't, e- I didn't know that. R R E K. You know, Derek Cheater or Derek Carr, D E R E K. Got a couple of Derek's, D E R R I C K, but Derek Lee, D E R R 
E-K. I've never spelled someone's name before on the birthday yeah. segment, but there's a first that's for you correct. here on Sports Call. Oh, that's wonderful. All right, we've got to take a timeout. Again, happy birthday, Dad. I uh, wanted to give him a shout-out here on September 6th, 2022. All right, let's take our next break here on the program. We continue here on Tiger 95.9 FM in a moment. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program as we move along and start to close out today's edition of Auburn's First and Auburn's Favorite Sports Talk Show. It's been a fun Tuesday show, and again, if you missed any of it, the best part about our show is you can listen to every single second on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure that you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy an ice cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola, taste the feeling. Again, I'm JJ Jackson with Ryan Lavoy, and we've got some Braves baseball back tonight after a day off yesterday traveling across the country. They're in Oakland, taking on the athletics. As our good buddy Ben Ingram said when he joined us earlier in the program, the team's actually staying in San Francisco and traveling each day to Oakland to get to the ballpark, which is rather interesting because they're staying in San Francisco. This weekend they're going to go to Seattle, and then they're going to come back to San Francisco and actually play the San Francisco Giants at the start of next week. But they've got two games Coming up against the A's on the road starting tonight. They already beat them twice when they played in Truist Park. And Kyle Wright is going to get the baseball for Atlanta. Acuna will be your DH for the Braves tonight. They'll be very familiar with San Francisco after this road No trip. kidding. Um, yeah, they they only play two with Oakland. You really want to sweep it. I know the Braves just swept another series with Miami, but Oakland is a horrible offensive team. Has been said, you will see Shea Langoliers, and that will be interesting. And Langoliers has been okay. I mean, compared to the rest of Oakland's hitters, he's been better, but uh, not incredible so far. And you're just you're just trying to keep going here. And you know you got a month left. You're trying to get to the end of this month where you've got New York again in Atlanta, and you want that series to mean a lot. And you're just one back, so you got to keep it right here. I would still expect New York to play better baseball than they did against Washington this past weekend where they lost two out of three. And Atlanta, they're trying to get Ozzie Albies back. He's been rehabbing. Still trying to figure out the outfield situation, which is what we asked, or one of the things we asked Ben Ingram about. And Marcel Azuna is in the lineup again tonight for Atlanta. He is in left field as Acuna DHs. And I just think that – Ronnie's knee, I just think it's it's kind of getting worse throughout the year if you kind of read between the lines and what they're having to do. And maybe he just pushed himself a little too too much when he first came back. And he's been, you know, he was stealing a lot of bases, running a lot, and just trying to do everything like, it, like nothing ever happened. And you appreciate that and you admire that. But at the same time, 
maybe it's just taking a toll and uh he's he's gonna really enjoy the off season to try and get that knee back right but in the meantime you're gonna be juggling a lot of things and unfortunately you know the 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 down thing for the Braves is just that their outfield has just not worked out well this year thank god for Michael Harris he's been awesome and he is probably going to win NL rookie of the year if Spencer Strider doesn't strike his way out to to getting back to him but um you know between Acuna's injury and uh the fact that Adam Duvall was struggling and then he got hurt uh, Eddie Rosario couldn't see, and he's still not hitting now that he's come back. He's still hitting under 200. They could bring in Robbie Grossman, which wasn't supposed to be a big acquisition, and it hasn't been, uh, even though he's had a couple timely hits and people got excited early on. I mean, the reality is I looked it up. Robbie Grossman's hitting an even 200. He has not hit well either. Um, and so back to Zuna, who had four hits in the last three games, and – they're just trying to figure out the right combination of outfielders. We'll see if Von Grissom can learn the position enough to play some left when uh, Ozzy Albies comes back. Um, so every team has its issue. I think the issue you're pinpointing for the Braves here is is just some of that outfield on a day-to-day basis and maybe just the fact Kenley Jansen's lost a little bit of touch here the last last few weeks. He's he's had some rough outings and, and um, has been in some precarious positions, but – other than that, look, Braves have still played wonderful overall. They've cut it to a game. And, look, New York's, New York's still on a 100-win pace. It's not like the Mets have just tanked here. The Braves have had to play really good baseball to catch up. So we'll see what this last month brings. You mentioned Grossman, 200, the batting average with the Braves. Yuck. Not yeah, great. No. Very, very, very and, yucky and uh, not, not fun to watch. I will say I wanted to give some love here. You and I – had the uh, unfortunes of, you know, enjoying each other's company, watching some sports together when the St. Louis Cardinals had a walk-off walk against the Braves. Grossman did give Atlanta a walk-off walk victory on Saturday against the Marlins. It was like, great job, don't swing the bat. Yeah, his intimidating presence. Like, how much do you celebrate the (laughs) walk-off walk? Good eye, kid. You kept it on your shoulders. Exactly. Literally anyone could have, (laughs) you know. Didn't swing at all. Uh, So it was good patience, I guess. But I think it, again, underscores that, you know, the the reason Marcel Azuna's in the lineup is because, okay, if they're all going to hit around 200 because Azuna's hit about 218 this year, at least Azuna can hit it out of the ballpark. And I know that playing him in left is not a deal because he can't field at this stage in his career at all. Um, but, you know, Rosario and Grossman are better. They're not plus defenders, okay? They're not – it's not like you're going from the worst defensive left fielder in the league to the second best. You're going from the worst defensive left fielder to, like, I don't know, the 20th. Yeah. You know, Eddie, Eddie and, and Robbie are not uh, incredible out there either. So, if that's, you know – I don't want to say equal, but if it's not a vast difference, then you look at offense and you say, well, Marcel's got four hits in his last three now. Um, both got, both Robbie and, and Rosario are still technically hitting worse than average, and you know Ozuna has way more power than they do. So it kind of chalks up to Ozuna right now, and if he's going to be on the roster, I, I made that passionate argument last week, and then they started playing him right after that. If he's going to be on this roster – He's better option than those other two guys, the way those guys have been playing. Braves baseball tonight taking on the Oakland Athletics. Again, one game behind the New York Mets. Talking about New York, do want to pass along this message. On 9-11, 21 years ago, 
Thousands of people were killed and injured in the worst terrorist attack in our nation's history. Today in 2022, the anniversary of 9-11 has grown to become the largest day of service in America. We invite you to take part in this important national observance along with millions of others and those of us at station by joining together in a spirit of unity and spending time on September 11th this Sunday volunteering, supporting charities, and performing simple good deeds that help others. Please visit 911day.org to find out what you can do. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Let's do it. Our Nightly TV Guide is brought to you by our friends over at White Claw Hard Seltzer. You can always see the Nightly TV Guide on our Twitter feed each and every day, at Sports Call AU on Twitter, Ryan. I'm now making these graphics for it, trying to figure it out. We've already got to change in the programming a little bit later this evening. You will see Aaron Judge posted online for our television guide this evening. Hit his 54th home run yesterday. The Yankees scheduled to play the Twins at 6 p.m. Central on TBS, but that's not happening. Yeah. Mother and, Nature. And that's rough for TBS because uh, that, I don't know yeah. what they pivot to. <laughs> yeah, they it's not, it's, if it's MLB Network, you just do MLB Denied or right. you show it, you, you tap into another game. Right. But, TBS, you send a specific crew to a specific place. Not going to happen. Whoops. (laughs) We will see uh, also at 6, the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament continues on ESPN. Rafa Nadal upset yesterday. Pretty big upset. By an American. Um, We're quarterfinals, semifinals. That was round of 16. Okay, so we're we're getting into the quarterfinals. It's heating up there with the U.S. Open. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, 630 on FX. Paul Rudd does a great job in that role. Amazing, amazing Marvel Dad character. Dad loves that movie. Good stuff. I like that movie. I'm glad nice. he likes it, too. Uh, women's College Volleyball tonight. Alabama A&M at Auburn. 7 o'clock Central start on the SEC Network Plus. Tigers are 4-0 to start the year. They had a six-day break. They did not play this past weekend. A little rare that they already had a weekend off, but they're back in action taking on in-state Alabama A&M a little bit later tonight. And then the Braves are at the Athletics. First pitch set for 8.40 p.m. Central Time on Bally Sports South. That's your nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Ryan LaVoy, the time is greatly appreciated. See you tomorrow on the program, man. Enjoyed it, man. That does it for today's edition of Sports Call. Thanks to Ben Ingram and Justin Ferguson for joining us here on the program. Alongside Ryan LaVoy, my name is J.J. Jackson. Our show is over. Thank you and good day. Good day.